0: Uh, where's Tim Smith at? Tim, where are you, buddy? Over there. Tim, stand up for a second. This is, uh, all right, Tim. This is the son of Paul and McKay Smith, Tim's been a part of our church for ages, but the last number of years was living up in New York, and he's back in Richmond now, and just want everybody to know, this is an amazing man, and get to know him. Tim, it's good to have you back. Praise God! Yeah, yeah, Hallelujah! Good to have how many college students we have here this morning? Just lift your hands up if you're college students. Man, just want to let you know we do allow you to come to the front. You know it's okay. You know it gets a little dangerous up here. You may have observed that during uh, your time here already with us like, man, they are crazy <laughs> up front. But you know, I tell you, we're crazy because our lives have been transformed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I tell you, I, where is Bridget at? Where's Brian? Yeah. <laughs> You may have noticed Bridget, or heard Bridget. <laughs> I love, I love Bridget. I love what Jesus has done in her life. Yes. Hallelujah. I love she comes up here and does her little po- pony prances dance and everything, and I love that. But you know, sometimes you see someone that just, man, they're just exuberant, and they're and they're just, just like, what is going? Question comes in your mind. What is going on with him this morning, you know? But you don't know her story. <laughs> yeah. But I, I want her to take just a moment. because I, I want you to get a perspective. I tell you, when God takes you out of places of darkness and there's no hope, And there's been no joy, no laughter, but only tears and pain. And when all of a sudden that changes overnight, and God brings you into a place that you see clearly, I want to tell you, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to be happy. Amen. So I want you to tell everybody why you are so incredibly happy and what God brought you. Just take a moment to share what God's brought you out of, baby.
1: Oh, well, I'd have to say that when I prayed a prayer um, when I was on the bed of suicide, I didn't want to be in this world anymore, and I prayed to Jesus. From a Baptist upbringing, (laughs) I knew that when I died, if I believed in Jesus, I'd go to heaven. Mm. And um, that's all I knew. I didn't know a relationship with Jesus. And I'd have to say, I'm so happy because I now have a relationship. Um, I was contemplating suicide, had been diagnosed bipolar eight years prior to that, just a lot of ups and downs in and out of relationships trying to find my identity and joy and drugs and things and people, Um, just looking for that hope that I could never find anywhere and that joy. And um, just from an upbringing where evil stepmother, you know, just doing very demonic things. And um, so on that night, I cried out to God and I said, Lord, take me off of this earth. Take me to heaven. Put me in a car accident You know, however you need to arrange for me to get there, do it now, because I'm not waiting any longer. And um, the next morning, my friend who had started her relationship with Jesus four years prior, um, she texted me. And she said, I had a dream last night, Mm. and in my dream, I invited you to a Bible study. She said, so it's this, this was on a Saturday, so it's Wednesday, why don't you come? And I said, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, this is an answer to my prayer. The Lord is trying to tell me something. So I went, I was on a mission, like that was my hope right there. Like, I have got to get to this Bible study to see what the Lord has to tell me. I went to the Bible study, I never read the Bible, um, but I did have a Bible so I took that with me, and at the end of the Bible study, <laughs> my grandmother was very faithful, and this is an answer. I am an answer to her prayers Amen. of many years. Thank God for faithful grandmothers at walk in the Lord. Um, so at the end of the Bible study, everybody had to pray out loud, and I had never done that. And um, so when it got to my turn, I said, "Dear Heavenly Father." And I just started crying. And it was like the Holy Spirit just took that crack in my heart and just burst it open and just flooded me with his love and his joy and his goodness. And just all those years of pain, he just washed away. And I walked away from that Bible study with so much hope and joy. Like it was 11 o'clock at night and all I wanted to do Was call everyone and exclaim to them how I had cried at Bible study and how I was so happy. And that was, it's funny you called me up today. Ha. Um, that will be four years ago tomorrow.
0: Wow.
1: that I've been totally healed of bipolar. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm no longer fighting those battles. Um, I've learned who I am in the Lord. I've learned my true identity. And I've learned that just because somebody says something to you, it doesn't mean it's true.
0: And you don't have
1: to accept it. <laughs> So, many things that you may be walking in agreement with, I can just say that you need to know who you are and find that out from Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, And the Bible is the truth, and to eat it every day. be transformed and just full of life and full of joy. And you will just not want any of your old dead self. You will want to walk in the light. You will want to set the captives free. You will want others to know where true joy, where the source of true joy is and that you have found it and that you can share that true joy with them. It's not just for us to keep it to ourselves, but it's to flood this entire world with Jesus Christ, the King Amen. of kings and Lord of lords. To glory be to him forevermore.
0: Oh man, I love happy people. I tell you, now, I love this time of year. I love the beginning of school on the college campuses. It reminds me of uh, a few years back. <laughs> it reminds me uh, many years back. Going in to my freshman year at University of South Carolina. And uh, the most important thing I, that I encountered was God. The thing that unraveled me, the thing that called me to be undone was not knowing that I was a sinner. Even though that was a revelation, I always thought I was a pretty good person. I thought as much as anybody would go to heaven, I guess I would too. You know? But I... God kind of kind of just pulled back the curtains and I saw the reality of life and I saw the reality of the sin within my life and I saw that, that if death would come to me, I would end up in hell. And I want to tell you, that, that type of revelation can shake you to the core. But what shook me and un, uh, became undone was that God didn't leave it at that. You know wonderfully, wonderful that God, is, God does reveal kind of our present, where we're at, but He doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave us in a place of distraught and pain and understanding I'm separated from God. But what He revealed next was His love. And He revealed that in spite of all my mistakes and all my sin and all my errors, that He loved me. He loved me enough that He gave His Son to me, that died on the cross for me. And I was what brought me—I never really, I never really cried in my life, except from a little boy being spanked or something like that. But what revolutionized my life, what undid me, was the encounter with the love of God. Because I realized, Lord, what I was, and I had every right. You had ever, God had every right to say, "You're separated from Me." You know, you cursed me. You didn't want anything to do with me, but yet he says, "I love you. I want you. I'm going to pursue after you. I'm going to pursue after you, and I'm going to reveal my love to you until you surrender." Well, I want to tell you, and it was an easy surrender. You know, when well, you know the, the the alternatives is hell or the love of God and eternity with the Father. Man, what a great place, you know. And but the love of God, guys, totally wrecked my life. And from that point, that point, that moment, it was no turning back. That moment, it was all for God. All for God. And I'm going to tell you, for over 40 years, you know, I've never turned back. It's just all for God, man. Just passionate for Him. Because he has the words of life and he holds life in his hand. And I want to share life with God like Bridget shares life with her father. And her father is able to, to bring great joy and salvation and deliverance in her life. And what great news! What great news. This summer, many of you haven't been here, and many of you, first time, we've been doing a series on living the resurrected life. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about how we were buried with Him in baptism. But just as He was raised in newness of life, and He lived a resurrected life in the same way, because we're united with Him through salvation, that we're raised into a place of resurrected life. And we've been talking about all summer long what that looks like see if this works here. Jason said it's all ready to go. And uh, all right, Jason. Jason, there we go. Cool. Okay. Hopefully this will work. Let me see. I'm trying it from here. There we go. Cool. Okay. All right. I just figured out how to use the fax machine, so this is all new to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I want to take I want to take a little bit of time this morning. Want to take a little bit of time? Yes, I'm a very technical person. Take, uh, I'm always like grabbing my daughter and say, "Okay, I don't know what I did on my computer, but it's really acting funny. But you come fix it for me," and uh, she she gets me out of hot water all the time, you know. But I want to talk about this Sunday and probably next Sunday too, because I've just got so much to share and I can't share it all in one Sunday. So everybody say, I will be back next Sunday, okay? All right, all right. But I want to talk about living in the impossible. When you joined yourself with Christ through salvation and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life, and I'm going to live that resurrected life. You made a commitment that you didn't know at that time that you were about to come on a journey, a pathway, you know, to, into the land of the impossible. See, the impossibility. Now I would dare say that all of us sitting here today, right now, there is some type of impossibility that we're facing. Whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's decisions, whether it's job, whatever it is. And if you're not facing it today, you'll probably face it tomorrow or the next day or whatever. How many of you know that, understand that? Somehow we feel like as Christians that we were always living the possible. But that's just not reality. The thing about it, God changes the impossible to the possible. That's the beautiful thing about it. But the thing about it is that, listen, we're on a great journey with Christ. We're on a great uh, travel with Him. And He leads us into the place of the impossible constantly. And the resurrected life, the DNA of the resurrected life, is all about walking through the impossible. All about that. You wonder sometimes, we all get frustrated sometimes, don't we? When we encounter the impossible, it's like, oh God, just make it easy. Make it easy. And God says, listen, I will, but you've got to follow me. And I've got an answer for what you're in right now and what's facing you right now. So whether you realize it or not, when you when you decided to say, yes, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going on this journey, you at that point made a decision, made a covenant with God that we're going to walk in the impossible together. Remember that? Uh, used to, you know, and they had the Super Bowls and everything. And at the end of the Super Bowl, whoever was kind of the most valuable player, you know, they would ab- they would come to him and they would interview him. You know, whether it was like uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, Joe Montana, whoever it was. I'm thinking back to people I, I grew up with, you know. <laughs> and they would ask him, they say, now, since you've won the Super Bowl, What is the next thing you're going to do? And they would always reply, what? I'm going to Disneyland. That was the thing to advertise Disney World, Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland. So I want to tell you, what we as Christians, as we become born again and brand new, and we get interviewed and they say, well, what's next? I'm going to impossible land. All right? And that's where that's the trip that we're headed on, living in the impossible. I love this verse on Mark ten twenty seven. It's found in several places in the Scripture. Situation that Jesus was talking with his disciples. It had to do about salvation, and and and, and salvation doesn't come by uh, what you possess, what you have, your good life, what you know. Anything like that. And Jesus made it clear that those who think that way are never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were a bit surprised. They said, well, if it's that impossible, who could it be possible for? And Jesus replies this. He says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. All things are possible. Wow. What well, he shows here are a couple of things. Jesus shows that there's a different perspective that we have as men and women outside of the kingdom of God, what God has within his kingdom. We face things and we say it's impossible. We face things of life every day. We get hit with things and we, and we begin to complain. and We begin to whine and we begin to fuss and we begin to say it's impossible. There's no way. But God always has a different perspective. He always. That's why you need to know Him. That's why you need to know what He says. That's why it's important to hear from the Lord. Because Jesus says here, as well as He says many times in Scripture, sort of the same things. He says, if it's impossible with you, it is possible with God. Because I want to tell you, when you became born again, and you became and to begin to step out into this resurrected life, the DNA, the God DNA on the inside of you was it's possible. It's possible. Everything on the inside of you that was put there by the Creator of the universe, the relationship that we have with the Almighty God is amazing because God will never look at a situation in your life and He'll just say, gosh, I'm so sorry. That's impossible. You just got what bad luck for you? It's like God is not in heaven, just zipping this big wheel in heaven, and whatever it finally ends up on, He says, this big cosmic wheel, and He just turns it, and He just, He's like, oh, okay, but cancer, that's it. it whatever it is, poverty, that's it. You know, whatever it is. Uh, uh, Grew up without parents or whatever it might be. And he says, well, that's that's your lot in life. That's how it is. Suck it up. Get used to it. That's just what it's going to be like. And to think about it is that it's not true. Because whatever you face in life, people, I want to tell you, we have so many testimonies week after week after week. So many people that come here on Monday nights in the healing rooms that we have, and they come in facing the, the mountain of the impossibility. The mountain of the impossible. And they come in and they feel like, I've been diagnosed with this. This has gone on in my life. It's been chronic in my life for 20, 30 years. And I'm without hope now. And I don't know what to do. And they come in here, and they get surrounded with people that love them and will pray for them. And they leave this, they leave this place healed. They leave this place transformed. i tell you, that's the gospel. The gospel is not just to get you to heaven. The gospel is not just so that, wow, my sins are forgiven. Yes, it is. Yes, you'll go to heaven. But the gospel is to live a life in front of a world that does not know God, and they shake their head, and they say, how can that be done? How can that be true? And you'll be able to share and let them know, listen, I know a God. Of all possibilities, yeah. of all possibilities. Yeah. There's a family that's not here today. I was visiting them this past week. Many of you know the Gross family and John and Joe Gross and their multitude of children. I don't know how many. They've just got a bunch, you know. And uh, and many of you know that John, uh, many months back, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and it. it it was a reoccurrence of something that happened 12 years ago, came back on them, came back with even a greater fervor, and it grew even faster and bigger. And they were faced with the impossible. How is it going to affect his life? John's an airline pilot. Will he ever fly again? You know? I tell you, when you get faced with somebody, it'll shake your world. But, I, but the thing about it is that if you're in Christ, there is hope. There is more than just hope, I tell you. <laughs> there, there is there is the, the possible waiting for you. Most of you know that John then waited and they, they sought God and, and and the doctors kept saying, you know, this thing is, is huge now in your brain and it's pressing against up uh, a lot of the matter of your brain and and they, feel like, they felt like it was benign, but yet the, the, the enormity of this tumor, the stuff was just was really affecting John. And, and uh, so they made the choice to go out to California for surgery. And uh, one day Jill is just really battling hopelessness, as you can imagine. And she's out in the, they live out in the country, and she's out in the field just talking with God. And I can't wait until they come and share this whole testimony with you because they'll do a much better job than me. But she's out there and she's just crying out to God saying, God, I've got to have something. I've got to know that I'm, I'm at the doorway of impossibility. God, are you there? Are you there? Are you going to... If I walk through this, will the possible of God meet me there? And uh, And so she... She cries out to God, and God basically says, Listen, Jill, I've got this. And when God tells you that He's got it, you know, He's got it. But He says, This is what's going to happen. He says, When the surgeons open his skull and go in, He says, I am right now, I am detaching the life source of that tumor. And He says, When they go in, I'm going to package that thing for them. And all they have to do is go in and pull it out. Well, they told John, Your surgery is going to probably last many, 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 many hours. They go in expecting to see this thing and his vicious tentacles everywhere, all over his brain. And they go in and they are shocked to find this tumor. It looked like it was wrapped up, they said it was like it was wrapped up in cellophane. And it, it was dying. It was dying. And they just go in and remove it. And so John is recovering. He's at home. You know, he's been dealing with some, uh, some uh, clotting in his leg, But he's doing so much better. And the rifle, you've been out there to see him also. And, and he's getting better and better. And they hope within a couple of weeks they're going to be back here. But i just tell you, God meets you. In that place. God meets meet you in that place of the impossible, you know. Let me just share the this Scripture. This, I love this. this. is out of the Message Bible. This is one of my favorite Scriptures in the Bible about just what God has placed within us and what we have there. It says that everything that goes into life, into a life of pleasing God, has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the One who invited us to God. You say everything, everybody say everything. 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 Everything that goes into a life, that's everything. Everything that you'll face in life, everything that you'll encounter in life. Peter says here, he says that everything that you need to overcome in life, to move forward in life, to move past the impossible of life, into the possibility of God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. Yeah, I love what he says here, the best invitation we ever received. I love that. He says, we were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you, your tickets to participation in the life of God after you have turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. I love it. I love it. Your life, the faith that's within you, was destined to operate in the land of the impossible. Because if we only had the possible, we could handle that. That's the thing about it. We try to handle it first anyway before we finally give it to God and we allow God to take us on out of the place of the impossible, don't we? And so, we've got about 15 minutes left here this morning. What I'd like to do is to <clears throat> look at at least one Scripture, maybe two. I want to show you two, two events in Scripture that really talks about moving past the impossible. Both deals with lack of provision, but I think they're just so powerful, you know, to know that your resurrected life was not meant for you to live in your ability in your resources and your power, but it was meant for you to be joined with God, so that you can live in the place of the impossible, and conquer that. Amen. So, if you'll turn to Second Kings, what I'm going to do is just kind of read through this. It's the first seven verses. Second Kings, amazing story of a miracle that happened, of of a widow was, that was facing a huge mountain of impossibility. And this is what happened. And just kind of read along. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, I've got it all separated here, so I can only show you the first two verses, but I'll read it through. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, prophet Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Apparently the situation had gotten so terrible that they were out of money, they were out of hope, they were out of resources, had nothing, and there was a debt that was upon them. And the only way for the debt to be taken care of was the sons had to become slaves. But then the widow was left by herself, no one to ever take care of her. So she was facing quite a dilemma, quite an impossibility. That if the debt was not settled, her sons would be gone. For her sons are gone, there's no one to take care of her. And she is, she is destined to die a quick death, probably. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. Oh, yeah. I've got a little jar of oil. Amen. To her, the jar of oil was nothing. You ever feel like you've been there sometimes? And you feel like your resources are so spent, so gone, that there's nothing. But I want to tell you, there's never nothing. There's never nothing. That God is always giving you a little. And it's something about what He does with that little when you give it to Him. That He begins to multiply and create something and does something great in your life. No matter what it is. Then He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, everybody, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. <clears throat> when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all of these vessels and set aside the full ones. So basically he said, grab all the vessels you can, as many as you can. Get an abundance of vessels. And from one of that one little jar, begin to pour. And so, so she went from him, shut the door behind her, her son brought the vessel to her, and she began to pour it out. It says in Scripture here. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, isn't that amazing? That's a miracle right there. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he basically says, Mom, there's no more vessels. So it says this, so there's not another vessel, he says, so it says, so the oil ceased. It stopped at that point. What's amazing is that there was an abundance of more. But when her ability to receive came to an end, then God's ability to give stopped at that point. Now, if she had more, it would have kept going. If she had more jars, more whatever, it would have kept going. If she could have had enough jars for eternity, it would, that oil would still be pouring today. That just, talks about the abundance of our God. The goodness of our God. How amazing He is. How powerful He is. That he's not just squeezing out a little bit for you, a little drop. Here, here's a little drop for you that will take care of maybe today, but no more for you, no more, no more, no more, no more for you, okay? He does it too, things like that. Our God, he says that when we turn to him, I'll tell you, there's something about the windows of heaven that opens up over you and I, and it begins to transform our life. We we'll begin to know and understand the abundance of our God. And the thing about it is that what God does in your life is never just for you. As we preach this over the next two Sundays, you'll find out. It's, not, it's never just for me. Whatever God does in my life, whatever He fills me with, whatever He bestows on me, whatever He changes and anoints, heals, whatever, it's never just for me. Because I'm going to tell you, there are other empty vessels out there just as she was surrounded with empty vessels. We're surrounded every day we walk out these doors with empty vessels. And what God does in our life is meant to fill us up and to overflow so that whatever that provision is, whatever that source is, that God's source flows out of our life into the lives of others. And it changes their lives. It just just transforms their life. I think back as I came to the Lord, the reason I came to the Lord because I saw two or three young ladies that I was good friends with, that they were so radical for God. There was an overflow in their life. There was a, something that just kept flowing out, flowing out the fullness of God. And I would just say, either they're nuts or crazy or this is reality. And if it's reality and you can live life with this type of joy, and this type of enthusiasm and this type of victory, man, I want it. So they tricked me to come to a, to a Christian concert. and They did. They tricked me to get me there. So that's all that God needed. And I remember standing there, we're standing up, and whoever wants to come to God, and the man, I'm holding on. And I'm going there. There's no way I'm leaving this spot. I'm not going up there. I don't remember if God floated me through the air. I don't know what happened. But the next moment, I'm up here and I am on the floor and I am undone and I am weeping before God and I am becoming a new creation. God is good. <laughs> All right, so uh, they ran out of jars, oil ceased, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. I love God. I love that our God is the God that does above and beyond all we ever ask or think or could dream of. Not only did he take care of the debt, he said, I got you enough that you can live your rest of your life on this. God's amazing. God is amazing. I wrote this down. It said it is at the doorway of our greatest need that God stands with his greatest provision. We need to understand that when we when you face the next impossible of your life, that you're only standing at a doorway. A doorway that you can walk through. And on the other side of that doorway, where it takes faith, it takes everything. Sometimes it takes everything we can to go, listen, I'm not not giving in to fear. I'm not giving in to desperation. I'm not giving in to hopelessness. I'm not giving in to these things, but I am stepping through. And when you step through, I want to tell you, God will encounter you with your greatest provision. He always does. He always does. All throughout Scripture, all throughout life, all throughout the lives of people that are sitting here today, you have experienced that over and over and over again. Amen. That you are at the doorway of your greatest need. You are at the doorway of the greatest impossible. But you said, God, I'm going to walk through. And when you made that choice of walking through that, I want to tell you what, was, what you what was there to meet you on the other side was an amazing Father. Amazing Father that already knew exactly how your impossible was going to become possible. And He took care of the rest. He took care of the rest. Amen? Amen. I love that. Alright. You know, guys, I have to end right here, I think. We have about three or four minutes left. But I'm going to take this up next week. So we all have to come back, okay? If I have to come back, you have to come back, all right? (laughs) That's how it works here, okay? I've got to be here, you've got to be here. All right. (laughs) How many of you right now, right now, you're facing an impossible situation in your life? I want you to stand up right where you're at. Maybe it's regarding your future. You just don't see it. Don't know what to do. Maybe it's regarding something in the moment right now. But you just don't know what to do. You don't know how how will God ever take care of this for me? Yeah. I want to encourage you out of Mark 10. For Jesus said that with men it is impossible. But with my God all things are possible. All things are possible. It begins with emptying yourself. Say, God, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the resources, I don't have any. I empty myself before you of my self-sufficiency, my pride, my fear. I empty myself before you, Father. And I ask you to fill me. Fill me with hope. Fill me with the knowing that you're an amazing God. And you have called me to live in the impossible. You have called me to live in the impossible. Father, I pray over each person. If someone is near you, that's standing, could you just stand with them? Just gently put your, your hand on their shoulder. Just to let them know, hey, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. You're not alone. One of the greatest lies the enemy will try to sow into our lives when we're facing difficult moments is that we're all alone. Or nobody else cares. We care about you this morning. We care about you this morning because Christ cares about you. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you begin to move that mountain of impossibility right now. Right now, Lord God. Father, we covenant with you that God, that you're the God of all possible. We covenant with you that blood covenant that Jesus shed his blood For us, for the forgiveness of our sins, and we have joined ourselves in Him through confession of Christ being Lord of our life, there is a covenant that we have that nothing can break that covenant. That we are seated with Him in heavenly places, and we are living a resurrected life with Him, and that He is able to make all things new, and He's able to change and transform everything that we need in our life. So, Father, we thank you. You have the answer for every person in this room. I pray, God, that you would instill, fill hope right now. You fill them with hope, Lord God, right now. Cover them, Lord God. Cover them, Father, with your presence, with your goodness, Lord God, with your power, with your anointing, Father. And, God, we thank you. You're going to teach us. We're going to learn not to not to. Sh- shrink back from the impossible God not to hide from the impossible not to fear the impossible God because Father that is our promised land just as the Israelites were going to their promised land they were excited but one thing there were giants in the land the impossibles were in the land and it's like well, God this is not what I thought you were going to do and God said you go take care of the, the giants I'll be with you. i to tell you, there are giants in your life right now. God is saying, I'm with you. <laughs> and you go and you conquer them. You go and you conquer them in my grace and in my power. Thank you, Lord God. Father, thank you for your sweet presence. Thank you, Lord God. Just cover each and every person. Cover each and every person. Lex, can you come up here? Earlier in the